0: We're gonna continue in our series called Ecclesia, which is an exploration of why the church matters. And we're exploring the the, um, importance of church through the metaphors that are used to describe the church uh, throughout the New Testament. And the first week we considered uh, the church as the body of Christ, Jesus as the head, we as the body, that our uniqueness actually is discovered not through our separation from others, but through our unity with others within the community that every part of the body plays a unique and powerful role in, uh, in the health of the community as a whole and the witness to Jesus. And so it, we really spoke about those kind of two facets, unity and then contribution, that what do we contribute? How are we affecting the whole body Uh, Secondly we considered the church last week as the bride of Christ Uh, and when we talk about the bride we have to talk about marriage and so much of the message was about what, what biblical marriage looks like because that gives us a picture of what the unique relationship the church has with Jesus we are called the bride of Christ and that speaks of covenant it speaks of it speaks of love and devotion or even if we were to borrow the language of Paul it speaks of those that language he uses around husband and wife of love and submission that that we are to submit to one another out of reverence to the Lord and we are to love one another as we love our own bodies, that there is this, to be this continual sacred romance, that church should be a place that is both familiar like home and at the same time an adventure, that the only thing that will drive the church forward in its mo- in, as a movement uh, and, and, a, and in its witness to the city and beyond is, is a proper affection. If we don't love the Jesus that we say we believe in, uh, we are not going to be the church that he has called us to be. We have to be faithful uh, to Jesus for we are his bride. Today we're gonna consider what it means to be the family of God, the church as a family. And I wanna just share with you this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Uh, Paul writes these words for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear I love that we haven't received a spirit of being born again is not supposed to bring us into a place of perpetual fear perfect love casts out fear no we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption and notice the language here it doesn't say as sons and daughters it just says as sons by whom we cry abba father and I think it's important when we think about the church as the family of God, we have to think about it in terms of our identity. That we belong to God. We are his children because we are found in the son. Just as, and if you're bothered by the fact that it says we become sons, and you're like, what about daughters? Well, just remember last week, We as men were called brides, so it all works out in the end, okay? Metaphors are metaphors. But the picture, this really isn't a metaphor. This is a picture, this is an actuality. Our standing before the Father, our relationship with the Father is that of adoption into a family, and this is why we should never shy away from language that actually helps us understand the inner workings of the gospel uh, and there is much language within the church that has been sabotaged by uh, by cultural caricatures of Christians and one of the phrases that I think that Christians in America often cringe at is the phrase born again and it's because it carries with it sort of cultural baggage that sort of like if you say you're a born again Christian you're, you're, you immediately fall into a particular category of fundamentalism or, or Pentecostalism or whatever, whatever the caricature might be out there in the American cultural uh, world in which we live but that is not the reality and we should not be ashamed of language that Jesus himself used to describe the necessity of new life and when he says unless one is born again you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And what it was Nicodemus's statement, how can one be born again? You can't climb back into the womb of your mother. And he's like, no, this birth is from above. And he was looking forward through the work of the cross. And this is what it means when we put our faith in Christ, that we, that we become a new creation, that the spirit comes to dwell within us. And so our identity is now that we are seen by the father as in the son that is why the language here is that we have received the spirit of adoption as sons we are now in Christ this is what it means to be in him and so to be a part of the family of God means first and foremost that we are a people that are in Christ and so this is a beautiful picture of of inclusive language that invites people in to be a part of that family um, through an exclusive working. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes into that family but through me. I am the door. And so, here we have this picture of the church as the family, and we are the family of God, the local expression of the Big C Church We at Door of Hope represent the family of God because we are first and foremost a people who have placed our identity or have found our true identity in Jesus. And because of that, we have access to the Father the way that Jesus had access to the Father because Jesus says, whoever loves me and keeps my commandments, I will come to him, we will come to him, and we will make our home within them. And here we're told that the Holy Spirit, this is why we can't just be a people that study the word. We need the word and spirit for the spirit within us is what illuminates the truthfulness of the word and how it is that we can live it out. And this is why we need one another because that reality is meant to be lived out in the context of community. We are not born again into a vacuum. We are born again into a family. And the family of God always must have a local expression. This is why in the New Testament, when we talk about the church, it's never a, the church in general terms, but the letters of the Bible are written to actual churches and actual places that are a part of the big C church. Uh, and so that the, the mystical union with Christ that all believers have is, finds expression in local bodies throughout the world. Uh, and we are not meant to live the Christian life alone. So the church as a family, as we get into this, we need to remember that one of the challenges of thinking of ourselves as a part of the family is, how, is that families just by nature tend to be pretty dysfunctional. Mary Carr's definition of a family is a, fam- a dysfunctional family is any family that has more than one member. And I think that that's pretty accurate. Because you don't get to choose your family. And some of the people that are the hardest to love in life are your own flesh and blood. But the blood runs thicker than the mud. And our adoption is not like earthly adoption. Metaphors break down at a certain point. We have a supernatural new birth. Which means that we have been brought into in a very real way. And in an eternal way into the family of God. How are we reflecting that family? And are we reflecting the heart of our good father. And I think one of the challenges that you might have today in thinking of yourselves as a part of the family of God is that your own experience within your own family has been very challenging. And so it's difficult for you to think of God as your father. That's that's my issue. I I grew up with two stepdads. Uh, My dad and my mom split up when I was one. And childhood for me was not a safe thing. My mom worked hard. When she wasn't married, she was generally working two or three jobs to support three boys. And so a lot of my childhood was, was defined by me trying to figure out how to take care of myself. And so it was kind of forcing me to grow up earlier than kids should have to grow up. I didn't, I didn't feel safe in my family and I didn't feel safe in the world. I was just talking with my son Henry, and we were kind of, I realized what a different experience he has had as he's had a mom and dad that have been in love and and safety and security in his upbringing, how you were raised shapes kind of the way you function in the world. And I was telling Henry how we were talking about being bullied and I was like, I was, you know, if you ever watched Freaks and Geeks, I was, I was like the little weird brother who like was terrified to take a shower because he was like the last kid in his class to go through puberty. Like I looked like I was nine at 14. And so, and I was really picked on. And my stepdad was a jock and I just wanted to dance and sing. Those were all just like, so it's, a, it's a, just a recipe for disaster. And I lived in a little farming town where everybody knew each other since they were babies. And I was like the new kid in the town when my mom married in eastern washington and i'm just like trying to figure out like i'm not i'm not a cowboy i don't like sports and i my i i wore michael jackson's like glitter gloves like that was bad that was weird things were not going to go well for me i my stepdad thought the way to correct it was to force me to play sports and i like baseballs those are hard they hurt when they hit you and then he's like you should wrestle and i wrestled and I won seven out of my 10 matches just because I was so terrified. And I broke down crying before and after every match. So also, much to the chagrin of my stepdad. So like, this was not safe. So I'm telling Henry, I'm like, yeah, I, man, I got picked on horribly. And he goes, he goes, I was bullied a little bit. And I go, when? He's like, sixth grade. And I go, yeah, what, what, what are they doing? And he's like, oh, the kids, they were calling me, the eighth graders were calling me names, like making fun of me for you know being a a nerd and I I, I go yeah (laughs) and like how did that make you feel and he goes well I actually was a nerd but I thought I was cool so I just thought they were being dumb (laughs) and I was like good on you boy it just shows that like it didn't even affect him because his home life was so healthy that he just thought they were being stupid for making, because he's like, I know me, I'm awesome. You guys just don't get it. You're the ones that are lame. Like, and I was just like that kind of confidence flows out of the ability to endure the challenges of life outside of the home really is dependent upon the health of the home. I think we can apply that same concept to the church. Not that the church, even the healthiest, the best of families where you have great parents, there's still, the moment you get more than one person, you're gonna bring dysfunction into it. Because you can have great parents, but then you can have a, you can have a really difficult sibling who turns the household upside down. You know, there's, there's, there's always going to be the possibility of things being out of whack. But I think it's important that we remember that metaphors only go so far because when we talk about God as our Father, He is a perfect Father. And Jesus said, if you being evil know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good gifts to those who ask? And so we have the ability to ask Him, Lord, give us more of an understanding of what it means to be your people, your family. Because the first thing we need to know about the importance of the church as a family is that when we realize that we are the family of God it helps us understand that the church is first and foremost a place of belonging. When we think of the church as a family, we think of the church as a place of belonging. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, The church needs to be a place where we are confident in our identity. And the powerful thing about the gospel is it proclaims over us a God who functions out of grace. and Grace is a central piece of understanding what the gospel is all about and how the gospel of Jesus is so different than religion and the religions of the world for religion. And you can find plenty of religious Christian churches because they don't understand the gospel because religion is always driven by if you do these things, God will accept you. But that is not how a good parent should ever function. Our love for our kids should not be contingent upon their performance. In fact, the home should be a place where your kids should be able to truly be themselves without judgment. A place where, where they are shaped by being loved and cared for. that They are shaped by the fact that on their worst day, you, their mom, their dad is crazy about them. Now we know often human love is built upon contingency. And we also know what it's like to have, many of you know what it's like to have dysfunctional parents and you know what it's like to be a dysfunctional parent. Because if you're a human being, you're dysfunctional on some level. But what we have to understand as the church is that the whole essence of the gospel is that God is so bent on eternity with us that he was willing to enter into what we're told here in this passage in Hebrews that helps us understand this the function, and the importance of belonging that Jesus actually identified with our dysfunction. He didn't just identify with our humanity. He actually took our brokenness, our dysfunction, our sin, if I was to use a theological term, our rebellion against God into himself. It says that while we were enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were dead in our sins, Christ determined That he was not content to exist without us. That his love for us is not based upon our performance. It's based upon the nature of who he is. And our sense of belonging cannot be derived from a sense of doing well or failing. It has to flow from a place. Our ability to do well comes from the safety of knowing that even when we do poorly, it does not change the Father's love for us. And that sense of belonging is the thing that actually drives us toward sanctification. The transformation of the human heart by degree, increasing degrees of intimacy with a God who loves us uh, happens when we know that we are loved. Uh, And I believe that often the Christian life is, um, is disrupted and our growth becomes, uh, becomes stunted by our believing the lies of, of an enemy who wants us to believe that God's love for us is contingent upon our ability to do good. And listen, Jesus himself said, why do you call me good? There is none who is good but God. And so we as children of God need to understand that what we represent to the world beyond these walls should be, we represent a people who understand our fundamental brokenness and at the same time know that we are loved more than we could ever imagine. That on our worst days, Jesus is crazy about us. And I pray that the church door of hope is never a place that makes people feel like You can't belong until you do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. This is the the exclusive reality of the gospel is that our belonging should be an invitation for others to come and belong. That this is a safe place for you no matter where you're at, no matter how deep your sin, that this is a place where you can come and meet a God who has dealt with that once and for all. We should be continually, perpetually reflecting the gospel of grace because it is grace that gives us the foundation for belonging and shows us that our belonging is not dependent upon our performance. It's dependent upon Jesus' performance on our behalf, which is the whole reason we can even call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High God because he has torn down the middle wall of separation and has made one new humanity in which we are a part of. Our identity is in him and we belong with him. We were created for him and that is where our joy is and that is the compelling reality because people don't feel like they belong. In fact, in a culture of individualism that says again and again this incredible lie that your happiness is, is through your discovery that you are the master of your own universe and that your uniqueness is defined by your separation from others. When in actuality, that is what has led to the rise in despair, depression, suicide, because we aren't meant to be our own gods because we aren't happy when we are separated from others. We don't feel more unique when we're separated, we just feel alone. Our uniqueness is discovered in the context of real relationship and relationship requires risk and Jesus risked everything to have relationship with you. He gave up his life. You belong because he entered into your rebellion and he did something about it and this is what we should be reflecting to those outside of the church door of hope needs to be a place where people feel like they can belong and doesn't mean and we don't make people one of the great lies that is being propagated in the church today is the way to make people feel like they belong is by diminishing the exclusive claims of the gospel to make people feel included no the only way that people can feel included is actually through the exclusive claims of the gospel. They need to know that there is actually a God who created them for Himself. They need to know that they are loved by a God that they can know. All paths don't lead to the same God, and all gods aren't real. We proclaim Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is through that proclamation that the message goes to all people it's an inclusive message or excuse me an exclusive message that is meant for all people and we have to believe that as a people who have found belonging we now as the beloved invite others into that same place of finding rest for their souls because people are weary and we are to be carriers of Jesus's great proclamation come to me all you are weary and I will give you rest I will give you a place to belong i'll give you a place at my table does door of hope give people a place at the table because that's what it means to belong we also when we think of ourselves as a family of god we need to understand that that means that this is to be a place of shared life matthew chapter 12 verse 25 jesus says he knew their thoughts, that was his critics, the religious leaders of the day, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. When you have um, a conflict within your home, uh, it's amazing how quickly it can create a divisive spirit within the home. Darcy and I we have really smart kids it's like you know the idea where it's like one parent isn't giving what the what the kid wants and then it's the playing of the parents against each other asking them the same for the same thing but not saying that you already asked mom or dad Um, and I know what it's like I was a rebellious kid Because I didn't feel safe in home, I actually ended up becoming a problem within the home and was kicked out of the house at 17 um, because of just continual drug use. And a lot of things can create division in the home, but it speaks of how a family unit is that. It's a unit that the things that we do, when you have a culture that constantly says, nobody has the right to tell you what you can and can't do, and then that is played out by kids who are still dependent upon their parents for food and shelter, but start to live with this idea that they can be autonomous. What they discover really quickly is that if they are fine, you wanna do whatever you want, then go do it somewhere else and you gotta start paying your own bills and take care of yourself. Kids get kicked out and they're like, oh man, I didn't realize that life was gonna be that hard. or that usually doesn't happen. Most parents aren't kicking their kids out when they're rebellious. They just suffer through the rebellion and they end up and they end up finding that it's very that the home becomes a very difficult place to be because families actually do need to have a shared life. A, 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 that it needs to be a place where people feel safe. But our safety comes through actually our contribution to the overall well-being of the family. It reminds me of the very um, reality of, of Galatians 6-2 where, um, where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I've seen this play out in my family because when one member of the body is hurting, everybody hurts, right? Well, man, is that not true in a family? Why do you think that a loss in the family, like why divorce is so prevalent for parents who lose a child? it's because it is such incredible trauma that the trauma creates a, a, a rift where people no longer feel together they just feel alone in their pain and that pain is so isolating and so and so so isolating and so severe that it feels like no one not even my spouse could understand how much i hurt which really hurts the spouse when it's their child too and you can see and you can see the way that that kind of trauma can actually just divide a whole household but i i I, one thing i i have been confronted with is this that idea of bearing one another's burdens that i have been blessed to give to my kids a life that i never had which is stability parents that love each other house over their heads they're not they've never i remember worrying about food i remember being embarrassed to use food stamps as a little boy and knowing that, and knowing what it was like to get government, government provided food for my household and all of the things that that made me feel unsafe. And that's been a different experience for our kids, but it doesn't mean that you can protect your kids from everything. And when we entered into COVID this year, it it turned out to be an unbelievably difficult season for Hattie. Hattie finished eighth grade and now she's beginning high. Sc- she just began high school, and the way that she has begun high school is, of course, like any of you that have kids, uh, through Zoom. And my daughter is a force of nature, vibrant, extrovert, uh, and we w- didn't live in our house yet when school started because we it was under construction, so we were in a temporary home. She had no place to do her work except in her bedroom, so she was all of a sudden doing schoolwork in bed on Zoom and she just began to flail and before long began to fall into a deep depression, which we had never seen before. And it was really scary. And, and we didn't know how to help her. And she just, she was so lost. And the most powerful witness to how a family can truly be a family was revealed to us actually through our son, Henry. Henry just graduated from high school and he just st- Darcy and I had kind of tried everything to try to help her kind of work out of this thing. And we're just scared as parents and just trying to love on her. But Henry stepped in and just took her burden and made it his own and started tutoring her with their classes and spending time with her. And she loves her brother. Like literally, he can do no wrong in her eyes. And he just made time for her. And since he entered into it and made her burden his burden, they took my whiteboard for the house construction and they erased it. And he just wrote out a whole plan for her how to get caught up on all her classes, how to, how to handle this. And she started, she started deciding, I'm going to start exercising and I'm going to, I'm going to do my work. And she is totally thriving in school now and thriving in literally two months completely changed the trajectory of where she was headed all because my son saw his part in the family and the power that he had to change the trajectory of his little sister's life. Now, most 19-year-olds aren't like saying, you know, my ambition right now is to spend as much time as possible with my 15-year-old sister. That's generally not the average 19-year-old boy's like priority in existence. Um, And that selflessness actually I think it gave Henry value, it showed him like, oh man, this feels good to contribute to the well-being of another. And it has brought them so close together as friends that Darcy and I realize that we can get them an apartment right now and begin the journey of empty nesters immediately. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But it's just so beautiful. I mean, it just melts us to see our kids leaning into one another. This is the power of a shared life. The life together piece where we are best when we give ourselves away to one another. And, and I just think that that is such a beautiful picture. But let me give you a biblical where the metaphor begins to break down is what does it mean for the church to have shared life? Because a household, a family household doesn't necessarily have a shared mission. I mean, Darce and I will have a shared mission of how we want to parent, what we want, we, what we want to create for our family, but our, your kids aren't necessarily like, I have the exact mission as my parents. But with, when I say that Door of Hope is to be a place of shared life, we need to understand that for us, where the metaphor breaks down is that we all share in the same life. That Jesus in us, our identity in him, our belonging to the Father because we are in Christ means that we have the same resource available to all of us. We are uniquely gifted by the same spirit who dwells in each of us as born again believers and so there is a shared life and that shared life means that when we look at each other we should see people as ones who are loved by Christ and we should see our brothers and sisters in the church as those who are also in Christ we need to view people with the eyes of Jesus And we need to be willing to enter into one another's lives in a way where that shared life truly creates a unity that is often missing in the world. And so not only do we need to be a place of belonging and a place of shared life, but we need to finally be a place of love. Galatians chapter six, verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Notice that Paul says, hey, we need to realize that we exist as children of God in a fallen world. God keeps us in this fallen, broken world. Instead of just the moment you give your faith to Jesus, bam you just appear in his presence and get to live eternity with him no he allows the difficulty of existence in a fallen world as a place to prepare us for eternity as well as a means by which he can bring others into that life that we share as a community and this is why we need to understand that the thing that compels the world that we are the family of god is how well we love one another now if people we invite people to come in to this house of god this household you know you think about this when you grew up was your home a place that you loved for your friends to come and experience did you were you excited for your friends to meet your parents, and, and was your house a place that you were like, I love for them to come and be in my space, or did you ever have? If you're like me, if that wasn't I was that was not my story, but there was a few friends that I had that had really just it seemed like really healthy family lives. Not think they were perfect families, but there's just there was something very family, it, like you know, it's like the leave it to Beaver thing, like where you, there's bam dinner together every night at this time and there's 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 life in the family and and just happiness and and and, and I remember wishing at times that I'm like do I have to go home can't I just stay why won't they can they adopt me I want that family and it wasn't that I didn't I love my mom like I love my Nana but it was like I just wanted that kind of I just idealized it I'm like I want that and I realized like one of the things that's always been an encouragement to us is our kids love to bring their friends to our house like our house is the house and Darcy's like why are we the only parents that drive Hattie and all of her friends around I'm like I don't know and if any of Hattie's parents are listening to church today we will let you drive as well Uh, but but we love that our kids love to be with us and they like their friends to experience our life as a family. And, and I think that, man, if we can create that in our fallenness, how much more does God want to create that in his church? And what that means is that as a place of love, it doesn't mean a place of moral perfection. It actually means a place of single-minded devotion. Single-minded devotion is what it means to be pure of heart. I mean, pure wine isn't necessarily good wine, And so pure of heart doesn't necessarily mean perfection. It just means single-minded devotion, that that this is a place where people experience our devotion to Jesus by tangibly experiencing our devotion to one another, and they want what we have. What we want as a church is to be that place, like the places I went to as a kid, and, and I was like, I want to just be a part of that. I, I, I could feel what was missing in my life when I would experience a healthy family situation. How much po- more powerfully and palatable should the church experience be? And I often have said, like, like, is your church a place where you are, when I speak outside of Door of Hope, I, I always ask the question when, I, when I'm asked to speak on the importance of churches, is your church a place where you would be comfortable inviting your non-believing friends to come and experience what it is that you believe and do you believe that your church actually witnesses to the truth of the gospel is it a place where people are going to feel like there are burdens and hoops that they've got to jump through to be to be participants or is it a place where they come and they immediately feel this sense I am home this is these are my people this is my family with all of our blemishes all of our brokenness all of our glitches, because we're not a people who have arrived, but we have arrived at this truth, that without Jesus, we can do nothing. That's the kind of household that we need to be, a place where we are comfortable being ourselves as we work toward becoming the Christians that we actually are. What does it mean to reflect Jesus? It means that we are a people who are yielded to him because we know to whom we belong. Because we are a people who share the life of Jesus, who has torn down the middle wall of separation. Because we are a people who knows the love of the Father because we have put our faith in the Son and have received the Holy Spirit, who has poured out God's love into our hearts. And given us the capacity to know that we are loved as well as the capacity to now love. I pray that Door of Hope is a place where people can experience what it means to be God's family, that people can find belonging, that they can find it as a place where their burdens are shared and carried by their brothers and sisters, that it's a place where they can know that they, on their worst day, are loved. This is the gospel, and this is one of the ways that it's reflected in the church and why the church is a non-negotiable when it comes to the Christian life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the gospel and its ability to bring transformation to our lives, and I do pray in this time that all people would know that we are your disciples by our love for one another, that love is giving ourselves to one another sacrificially, that our ability to love those outside of the church is defined by how well we love one another within it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring us in to that place of knowing that we are the beloved. Lord, that we Share in your very life and that your life in us is what reveals your grace your one way love toward us may we be conduits of that grace Lord we pray for healing in our city we pray for healing in our nation we pray for your spirit um to empower us, to give us wisdom on how to navigate these days of COVID. We thank you for the vaccine and we do pray, Lord, that soon we would be able to return to a, a, a different kind of normal than what has become the new normal. I pray that we would move once again to a place in which we could truly be together, that we don't have to be afraid of proximity but instead celebrate it because it's so vital to human existence. So Lord, give us the strength to endure these, these coming months as we continue in this, this time of this pandemic. And we just thank you that you have not lost control. We pray for continued healing in our nation and we pray that we would not be fearful of the opinions of people, but that Lord, we would have a holy fear Not of you striking us upon our heads, but of offending a God who loves us and is available to us because we know that we are loved by you and you want to love others through us. May we be your family. May we represent you well. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.